we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. On live. Ready? Three, two, one. Action. That, that was it. Oh, I thought it was going to be – got to get a clapper thing for the beginning of this. What's up, everybody? Um, it is Sunday, and that means that – Tracy Pinter is watching Teacher Talk Sunday night thing because I see you on there. Um, what's up? Uh, so for those of you that don't know, right, before I get into this, before I start saying hi to everybody, um, Sunday night Teacher Talk. We're just on here talking about education stuff because I realize that Sunday is the most terrifying day of the week for teachers mostly. And people are freaking out and they're just trying to figure out like what to do and how to survive. And, you know, maybe you're going to start student teaching tomorrow. Maybe you're going to, you had like, a really difficult week last week, you know, whatever it is, this is kind of the spot to talk about it. And then we even offer like a Facebook group that is, I am largely not involved in, but it is a place for folks that are here in the comment section to go and to communicate with one another. And I'll tell you, it is, looks like all love in there uh, from what I read. So it's been a busy week, man. Um, I'm glad to see everybody. I see Tracy Pinter on there and Jerry and Tabitha Harris who retracted her message, which makes me wonder what she said. Um, <laughs> Leah Pratt's grading essays while listening tonight. Papercraft girl. Um, Erica, Mel M, Anthony Biggs. I see everybody. I see you. Cooking dinner and putting away Sam's Club run. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're, more of a, uh, we're more of a BJ's family. Um, out of convenience, there's no loyalty there. Um, good morning from Australia. What's up, Nick? Let me see. Amir is on here. Amir is one of my students. Um, I like to just point that out whenever I see one of the students on here so that everybody knows. Um, Eva from Austin, Texas. What's up? I was just in Austin. I was going to talk about that. Uh, Diary of a Man, Black Teacher. Love the picture on Instagram. Awesome. So look, last week I was I got to go to South by Southwest, which is like this big music and tech conference. And they have a like education piece to that now. So I spoke at um, Tennyson Middle School. So love to all the Tennyson Middle School people. And I, that was in Waco, Texas. And so their principal, Miss Hall, invited me down. And I got to hang out with everyone and like meet all their kids. And it was really, it was really fun just because it was fun. But like, I, I just, I love being able to see other schools and like, 
you know, like when you're called to like go and speak somewhere, the funny thing is, is that you're supposed to be bringing information or inspiration to a school. And I really love when that works in reverse as well, that when I leave feeling like a little bit more filled up than when I got there. And so I feel like I can take that energy and that information back to my school. So Tennyson Middle School was fantastic to speak at. And then that was in Waco. So uh, by my wife's request, I went to the, uh, I had said like, like I wasn't, I wouldn't have gone anyway, but um, what was it? You wouldn't have gone anyway. Oh, Magnolia, the Chip and Joanna Gaines store (laughs) I went to when I was there. I was the only single dude in that joint. It was, uh, you know, I looked like I lost my mom or my wife in there somewhere. But that was cool. And then I went to South by Southwest and met a whole bunch of interesting people. And then next week, I'm going to be in Miami. And I want to talk about that. I think we should announce those categories and stuff on here. You into that? So we're going to, I'll talk about that. I'll wait, like, I don't know, a little bit. And then I'm going to talk about what I'm doing in Miami and the part that you all can play and what's going to happen down there as well. Um, So that's, that's that. Good. Anything else going on? No. Been writing a lot. I have not been putting out a lot of videos because I've been writing this book and it takes an incredible amount of time. Um, I never wrote a book before. Well, that and you had lots of, there's been lots of traveling. There has been lots of travel. I've been away every weekend and then in between I've been trying to write this book. And so that is hard. And still teaching the people and taking care of this dog and making you food all the time. Yeah, okay. That's all I do is cook and clean. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come on, help me out. So, you got any questions on there? I do. There's one from Anthony. And spray paint microphones because we're going to sell those on the website too, our bubble ones. Uh, yeah, Anthony, Anthony Biggs. Anthony Biggs. All right. Starting us off. Let's jump in and then I'm going to talk about Miami in a little bit. Um, so, real quick before Anthony, I answer Anthony Biggs' question. Um, I wonder if the time change throws anybody off. We have this seemingly meaningless activity that we do in the United States. Well, most of the United States, Arizona opted out of it, but uh, that's awesome. Why? Yeah, called only smart people. What what was it called? Oh, daylight savings time. I don't. Yeah, Richard Royster. I hate the time. We just changed the time, and then everyone's tired tomorrow. Oh, that sucks. Buy that. So. Vivet Dukes is on there. Vivet Dukes is, you know, if anyone's on here and you just are like, hey, Reynolds, who should I go check out? I think Vivet Dukes is someone you should go check out. Uh, we met a while ago at the Ed by Ed conference in New York, and she's on Instagram. She's on YouTube. I think she's on YouTube, but not really on YouTube yet. Uh, but you can go check out her website. Also, just see her name, type that John in, and then. She's, um, she's big on, or busy on Instagram and story. Yeah, 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 for sure. So by that, if you even want to like drop your uh your website in there, um, she and I are gonna be going to Florida to Miami this weekend also. Uh because you know we just jet set around all over the place, like pretend I'm a big deal. Um Tabitha's just found some of those things at the dollar store. Yeah, yeah, gonna spray paint them next week. You gotta prime them first before you spray paint them too. Tabitha, don't just spray paint them because they come out all wonky and weird looking. Spray some, uh, get like white primer on there first. That's the that's the trick. So anyway, Anthony Biggs is saying, what's the best way to embrace change without uh, going in too enthusiastic? Uh, I think, why not go in too enthusiastic? I think, look, man, one of my favorite dudes in the whole world, this guy, Patch Adams. Some of you remember that movie. I used to write letters back and forth to that guy because I wanted to be a clown in a different life. And so that's a real thing. Um, so... Patch Adams used to say the most revolutionary thing someone can do is to be happy in public. 
And so, although I don't know if I completely subscribe to the idea, it's still pretty revolutionary, right? Like most of the guys I teach um, cannot like for their own reasons, right? Like I, I'm not dogging them for not walking around West Philly, like smiling and laughing and carrying on, but uh, there's something about being happy in public that I think folks are, are nervous about. And so I think go all in, like be like your enthusiasm is what is going to, you know, largely I, I've just had a lot of lessons where if I didn't sell it that way, then no one was going to buy it. Right. So I had to go in super enthusiastic. If not, I mean, you can just subdue it a little bit, but like, I, I, I just don't, I, that's, it's not my personality also. Right. Like, so my wife wouldn't necessarily be over the top with bells and whistles. Who <laughs> I sure uses bells and whistles for stuff, but um, it's just like not your personality gig, right? Like you shoot, so, for instance, the birthday parties that you create for our children are, like, way next level, like Pinterest-level stuff. Yes. But you're not like, oh, my gosh, come look at what it did. Whereas that's kind of my gig, right? Like, I love, like, like a couple of years ago, we filled our daughter's room, filled our, her room up to the her. She slept on the top bunk of a bunk bed um, with balloons. And you were, like, real cool about it. And I was totally extra about it because I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. So kind yeah, personality. So I think that answers the question. Maybe. Do you think so? Mm-hmm. I wasn't listening. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks. <laughs> um, I apologize, Zia. I'm not going to be able to say your whole name because I am not good with names, to be honest. Um, but the question is, what are you writing about? So I'm writing a, I'm writing a book about teaching uh, because I was asked to write a book about teaching, not because I was just like, hey, I should write a book. Um, somebody reached out that I think is really impressive. And they said, Hey, you should write a book. And then, so the idea behind the book is sort of like how teachers overcome, I think in my experience, right. And I do this also how teachers overcomplicate a lot of things in teaching, whether it's how they build relationships, how they write lessons. Um, they get too teachery sometimes and they let that stuff get in the way. And so how do you sort of like do that bare bones version so it's sort of like a no bs guide to teaching wrapped up with my own stories and stuff right and and the reason i i like this idea is like my wife hates when i say this but like um i'm largely like i'm nobody right like like i went to community college for a long time like and then i went to a school that none of you have ever heard from of in new jersey and i don't have a master's i don't have a doctorate i just really know that i care about kids and i really try hard and I give like I don't care much about like what it looks like with what I'm doing as long as I know that it's something good for students um and I think so I'm writing a book out of that space right so like the you know every man's guide to teaching or something like that so that's what I'm working on and hopefully it'll be done sooner rather than later because I'll tell you what writing books not really my jam I'd rather make videos um but I really, I want to have something out there for folks that do like reading and aren't down with watching videos all the time. Uh, the more you grow is is asking, hey, Reynolds, I have a question for you. I'm having trouble with students having no interest or motivation. No matter what I try, relate content to students, activities, et cetera, uh, with little or no success. Advice. So I would say, um, what's their deal? Like find out why they're not motivated. Like I think kids want to learn. I think they want to do well. I think school sucks though. Right. And so as teachers, we're largely fighting against something that like, if you're look, I hated Brussels sprouts my whole life. 
whenever someone was cooking them and I smelled them, I was like, oh, it just smelled like sadness. And I just like knew that it was going to suck. And so one day I have a friend, Billy Evans, Billy Evans comes over with Brussels sprouts, but instead she, would she sear them in a pan first? Was that I, the gig? Like, well, no, she sauteed them, but she put a little she sugar sauteed on them, them, but she sprinkled a tiny bit of it's sugar on top of bitterness. Of them, and it was the game changer, right? Up until then, I was a Brussels sprout hater. Now I could literally eat a plate of Brussels sprouts. I don't even need sugar on them anymore. I've like, I don't know, acquired a taste for them or something like that. And they're awesome. So it's kind of like you're fighting against all this crap from before and then trying to get kids to buy in. I think find out why they're not buying in. Ask them, why don't they want to do stuff? Ask them, what would they rather be doing? How could, like, if we're here, right? We got to run the race, right? That's non-negotiable. Otherwise, you're just going to sit here. You're going to drop out or you're going to fail, you know, and I don't know, get a job pushing shopping carts at Target. But if you don't want to, right, like what can we make this look like together? I think that's the conversation. And then you don't you don't have to take their, their advice like wholeheartedly, but like you can just listen to it, give them a voice in the classroom and then see kind of like where that goes from there. That's what I would do with that. Mm. I'm ready. You know what time? It, oh, damn. First of all, I want to say I just I lost their name. Someone is watching from a cruise ship. What? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, you win. You win. <laughs> what do they win? No, someone else is watching while they're taking an exam online. You win too, but I'm concerned for your exam. Please pay attention. What can they win? Can we give them something? An award? I don't know. Is that an important microphone? All right. Hey. Person that's on a cruise ship, a person that's doing this while they're taking an online exam, which is probably not the best idea. Um, send me your email address or send me your mailing address, and then I'm going to send you something cool in the mail. What's that? Send their email address? Well, they're going to email. No. Oh, what's my email address is real rap with the Reynolds at gmail.com. Okay. I mean, Continue. Keep going. You didn't know that? Got it. All right. Um, Winter, oh, Winter. I always mess up your last name. It's got to be Ogilvy. I don't know, which reminds me of that makeup product when I was a kid. But uh, was it? Was it of Ovaltine. Ovaltine. No, <laughs> it wasn't Ogilvy. Ogilvy was like a. I don't know. It was a makeup product or something like that. I Why would you know about makeup products? See, I know about everything. Mm. Just saying. <laughs> um, thank you for doing these each week. You're very welcome. I'm. It's my pleasure to do it. How do you handle cell phones? in in class so here's what i do with cell phones there is a spot near my house called harbor freight it is like the aldi of hardware stores right and at that store they have this plug it's probably four feet long um and it has just like a ton it's like a long power strip with like i don't know 10 spots to plug stuff in i put a shelf in my room i put the plug on the top of it it's on the other side of my room and so kids can go over and plug their phones in but the gig is plug your phone in, just don't like, you can't touch it now, right? So that gets rid of a good portion of phones every single period because nobody ever has enough energy for the whole, I don't know what hell happens with their phones. I don't know why they have no battery life, but anyway, that's part of it. The other part is I still make a big deal out of it. Like if somebody has their phone out, bro, I need you to put your phone away. They take it out again. I do something weird with it. I'll take your phone. I wrap it up in paper towels and duct tape. I take your phone and I tape it up into the wall so that you can't grab it. Last week I took your kids AirPods because um, kids keep rocking the AirPods and then they like if you have like dreads or something like that, I, I can't see. So but if I see it, 
I take those I and I wrap masking tape all over your box, right? It's not anything that's going to ruin the phone. I'm not trying to mess it up. Sometimes I take a whole bunch of pictures of the floor. Sometimes I do a time lapse about the window, which is kind of fun at the end of the day to have time lapse of the whole day. Um, but it's just like I, the kids know, you know, the reason behind doing ridiculous stuff is that it's not like, hey, knock it off or I'm going to take your phone and then you know, it, we turn into this power struggle. It's I'm going to do something weird with it. And I think kids kind of want to see the weird thing sometimes. Sometimes I hide it in my bookshelf and I give you 30 seconds to find it. If you can't find it, then I keep it until the end of the day. But the, the bottom line is what I want kids to know is that one, it's not safe. If you're recording, I don't want to end up on freaking Snapchat or Instagram stories or something like that. Two, um, I have like, I, 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 and like, I need your attention to be on me. And I am addicted to my phone also. That's why I put it on my desk. Cause otherwise I keep checking it during class to see if someone emailed, to see if a parent called, to see if whatever, but just explaining why we can't have that. And then what kind of like insane measures I'm willing to take to make sure that you don't go on your phone is a whole nother thing. And that just wins all the time. I never, ever, ever have a power struggle with the kid. They refuse to give me their phone because they're on it. And I don't know, they want to be extra that day. Then I just call somebody else in and say like, yo, my man was on his phone. I need to have it handled after class. Then I need to make sure that we have a talk about it. So he understands where I'm coming from. I'm never trying to just be like, you know, I, I just think you never want to be like in control to just be in control, right? You're being in control because like you need to, to orchestrate the class. Right. And like, that's, how it rolls. Um, Calvin Jung is saying, what is your stance on the Holocaust and Jews and how to deal with that topic in class? Look, Calvin, I, I think I, I talk about anything. Kids want to talk about, I don't know, mass shootings. They want to talk about gun violence. They want to talk about the Holocaust. They want to talk about Me Too. They want to talk about, um, I don't know, anything from Black History Month to, to racism to police brutality. Like I'll talk about anything. Why? Because I want to meet the kids where they are, see what they're interested in, and then take it from there. And I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have all the answers for most stuff that we talk about, but what I'm doing is help facilitate the conversation. And that's what you want the kids to be able to do. Kids come in with a lot of misinformation, just like adults do. And then how do we listen to one another? How do we answer back? How do we listen carefully and with, and with like a sense of really wanting to hear what the someone else is saying. So you can either support your own argument or you can use what they're saying against them, but you can only do that if you listen carefully. So I think you just enter into it talking about like, look, man, this isn't like the Holocaust wasn't the only time that something horrific like that happened. And that is not meant to diss what happened to those um, individuals that were caught up. But I, I, you know, I started by showing uh, when we talk about concentration camps, I showed the scene from Band of Brothers in class because we used to read night. Um, and so to give the kids a sense of like what happened to human beings, there's when they in Band of Brothers, when they liberate the concentration camps and what that looks like. It's talking about how like these are regular folks, like it was like the you and me of of that part of the world. And then what happened to these individuals? And so try to break it down like it's us like like that's the that lens i think we need to see this through because otherwise it just becomes something that happened you know a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and it's not something that's relatable you need to make it relatable to now in some way shape or form like have you ever been taken away from your family have you ever had this thing taken away from you like and and although that is a 
might be a very big, I don't know, there's a big separation between like your parents taking your phone away or your bike and someone having their life taken or someone having their freedom taken. But I think you can make that connection because it's it's the same thing just on a much larger scale. And that's what you want to tap into is making kids like making what they're reading relevant and making them able to feel what the author's kind of putting out and then magnifying that. So that's, that's kind of the gig there. Uh, Joanne Markov is asking, what are your favorite ways to introduce and teach the Odyssey? I know that you have students create their own personal Odyssey project. What other things do you do? Uh, do you like to do? So I think the Odyssey is fantastic because it talks about the hero's journey and the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell is it's the same in every hero book, right? It's, it's Batman begins. It's the first Avengers movie. It's, uh, or, you know, anyone, anyone from, uh, Captain America to Iron Man, like it's always the same sort of story arc, but it's classic. It's what everyone loves. It's everything from Rocky to Creed to every other movie ever that follows that hero's journey. So we talk a lot about that. I have the kids, like said, connect like their own life. So they have to create, um, a map of their own life and like what was their sort of what's their narrative so far from birth until now, how did you get there? 10 in 10 events. So like you were born, you lived where you lived with whom you uh, like you won a championship. Someone died, someone was born, like whatever your story is, it kind of marks that along the way. And then other than that, I like doing projects on like the different um, monsters or the different heroes in the book and breaking them down. So we have a clear visualization of like what that is. I like breaking it down into comic book form. So like anywhere from like six to nine cells, like those little squares that comic books are made out of and then drawing the pieces of each because each book of the Odyssey sort of breaks down into its own short story. So like breaking those down into those pieces and then having a description underneath because some kids draw like, you know, my four-year-old drew and they think that you know what that is, but it looks like a llama riding a kitten and not, you know, a sea monster. So that's a real thing. Um, Plus, you yeah. have those playlists on YouTube. Yeah, and then I have, uh, if you go on YouTube on my channel and you go to playlists, there is all the stuff that I use when I read the Odyssey. Like any videos that I use while I read the Odyssey. So you can go through there. And then if you have a question about any of them, just let me know and I'll help you out. This one? Mm-hmm. Nick? Udding? I think that's right. Udding? I think. Nick. Uh, As an early career teacher, how do you avoid comparing yourself to all those insta-perfect teachers on all the social media platforms? I love that you keep it real and talk about the hard stuff. Look, Nick, I think, um, first of all, just don't look at that stuff. Like, it's it's hard. It's not fair. No, because people like Instagram and you want to follow teachers, right. but you want to not feel... You want to be inspired and not crushed. All right. A hundred percent. All right. I think know that you're a first-year teacher and nobody has a classroom that looks like that. Their first Your classroom didn't look awesome. No. It was awful. doesn't look like that now. Yeah. No, your classroom looks like that on your own level, right? Because you make everything. Yeah, but I think you get it. your classroom for the first five years probably looked booty like we had all those come oh. on but we had all those like regular we, it wasn't anything like over the top like insta teachers are now right it was all just no. regular posters like until you figured out your flow your yeah it was like total style. like learning store yes. happy apples kind of stuff yeah so that's that's uh 
A hundred percent. Um, I, you know, so maybe I think just don't beat yourself up and I think celebrate your wins. Like I, I I'm part of my morning practice for all of the little things. And so I think practice being mindful of that and like being thankful for the things that you're thankful for. And then maybe make your own Instagram account. And like, Mark, you know, I wish, can you imagine if we had like Instagram when I started teaching oh, or like vlogging to be able to look back 14 years ago it would be awesome. and just see like, what did I look like? What did my, you know, outfit of the day look like? What did my classroom look like? Right. So like, it's really funny and easy kind of to talk to dog some of those posts, but it's, what a great thing. Like your grandkids, your great grandkids could look back and you're marking the moment. Well, I think the funny thing is about Insta teachers and stuff like that. It's like, that's probably not their first year either. And it's Instagram, right? So it like took a long time. Like we know people who take pictures like personally like for Instagram, they take 50 pictures before they pick Your sister one. does it. I know. Stop. I wasn't going to say well, that. you have a few sisters, so I didn't put one of them on blast. <laughs> yeah, they take like 50 selfies, and then they just look for the right one. And then if they don't get enough likes and enough in a short amount of time, then they just take it down. And well, that's like, a teenager thing. So, anyway. yeah. So I, I think – and maybe just look at it for inspiration also then. like, And just remind yourself that you're not getting caught up. That it's, you know – everybody no one's going to air their dirty laundry right like they don't people don't like doing that and so um reminding yourself of that too so yeah you had a better answer than i did on that one Mm -hmm. i appreciate you Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh anna hooks is saying first year teacher thinking about swapping grade levels and districts next year how do i do this without admin pink slipping me and making them mad i'd rather come back next year or I'd rather come back next year than not have a job. So look, uh, man. How do they know? So you would tell them, but then like sometimes if you tell a school that you're not coming back, they'll like dog yeah, you on the front. Yeah, but why do you end. tell them you have a right to look? Yeah, but if you tell. Why do you need to tell your current employee that you're looking for another know. job? You don't. I mean, look, when I got my job that I teach at in West Philly, um, I was completely comfortable in my other job. When I worked in Camden, I like it wasn't the best, but I was living. But then we had our second kid and I literally couldn't make enough money. Like I made so little money there. It's laughable. And for the cost of living in New Jersey. Yes, the only people that were making less than me were people that taught at Catholic schools. And so we took a pay increase to go to, to West Philly, but that I didn't tell them anything. Like I didn't tell them at all that I was leaving until right at the end of the year. But I mean, that was the year I won teacher of the year. And then the school revoked it because I was leaving the school and they kind of wanted to stick it to me. So I got that revoked and I didn't win teacher of the year. So I, on my resume, I write almost one teacher of the year. Oh, Royster had a good. So, um, Royster. Yeah. You need to ask your current employer for a reference. Yes, that's, you know, so Richard Royster is on point there. And so, like, I know some schools have rules about that. Like, there's different states I know have different rules. Like, you, I forget who I spoke to. I want to say it was in New York or something like that, where you, like, had to let your teach your school know if you were, like, looking that's for a different That's what Mel She goes, in our district, we have to submit a notice of intent at the beginning of March for the following school year. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and see, where I teach, it's, like, the you Wild don't. West. Like, you just you know, make moves and then hope for the best. Like 
Um, good luck. Yeah, that's tricky. So look, I, I don't, I don't have a really good answer for that, but I would follow the advice of the folks on the side here or drop into the Facebook group. Somebody there can might talk, have a better. Can you talk to your admin about why it is that you're looking for the change? Like maybe they, it might motivate them to say like, well, this is stuff that we should be I guess that depends on your admin. administration too, right? Yeah, like if you have Richard Royster as an admin, then you can just probably go to that dude and just talk to him about it. He'll make a YouTube video about right? it. But, uh, you know, not everyone has, they have scary admin. Yeah, um, that's a sin. Yeah. So look, real quick, before we get into this next question, can I talk about Miami oh, real quick? Okay. Um, can we, where should we throw up the, we'll, we'll pin the comment at the end of the video. That's what we'll do. So people can click on and go vote. Okay. Let's do that. It's a link to the, their website. The Google Doc. You go. It's a link right to the Google Doc. But it's on their website. That's what when you hit submit or like that you want to yeah. vote. Well, like, well, I'll have okay. a direction and I'll figure it out. Ah, so look, right. here's what I'm asking folks to do um, this evening or tomorrow, right? I am going to Miami this uh, next weekend with almost every conceivable YouTuber, Instagrammer, blogger. I mean, everyone from Jen Jones to Pocketful of Primary to Too Cool for Middle School, uh, Smarty Style, Darren Nakigahara, like like the whole gamut is is going down to Miami um, with this company called Genius Plaza. My friend Vivette Dukes is going down there also. The, the idea there is they're trying to get all these teacher social influencers together. And uh, I'm not really sure what happened after that, but it's a conference, right? Part of the conference is there's awards. And now I'm not asking for anyone to on the front end to vote for me. I don't care if anyone votes for me. Um, because I win father of the year. I won father of the year like every year. Like 10 out of the last 11 years of being a, a parent. I linked. I'm just saying. So the link is on here. All you have to do is go on and you can vote for people, right? Like so the categories are something like um high school influencer, middle school, elementary school. There's a on the rise. So like if you think um there's a great, there's it doesn't have to be just a YouTuber. It can, it's any digital influencer in yeah. education. Yeah. So it's like so Instagram, blogger. Twitter, blogger, uh, someone on Snapchat, somebody like on LinkedIn, like wherever that those folks are. So it's, um, high school influencer, middle school influencer, elementary school influencer, most creative award, like a teacher that's willing to pull out all the stops to help kids. The Illumination Award, a teacher that makes difficult concepts digestible. Um, social Equity Award, teacher who addresses social justice and equity in an inspiring way. Digital Innovator, which is a teacher who uses technology and is an innovative uh, in an innovative way to support others. And an on the rise uh, category, which is someone that maybe not no one knows about. Maybe your friend has a blog and only two hundred people follow it. Maybe they have a YouTube channel and they have 54 subscribers, but you know, they're good stuff. You believe in what they're doing. They're trying to shout those folks out. So it doesn't have to be anyone in particular. I'm not vying for myself. I just think that's fun. Look in a world, like in a world um, where teaching is so underappreciated a lot of times, it's just nice to like throw someone a shout out every once in a while. So if you could, wouldn't mind clicking on there, it's a simple Google doc. No one's going to know who you voted for. It's um, fun. And then you get to see who I did it today. Wins. It was fun. Um, my on the rise person, I was excited about, mm-hmm. can I tell you who I voted for, for that? Sure. So on the rise, I voted for my man, Richard Royster. Cause I just think he has a good YouTube channel and he, I think he's using it for all the right reasons in terms of like 
shouting out his students and his staff and like making connections for people. And he's on here every single week and every week he's on here, like answering people's questions and stuff. Like I just think he's a good dude. So I, uh, I gave him some love on there. That's why I voted for, but um, you know, uh, am I going to have a meetup? Yo, I'll meet up with anybody anywhere. So I, I had like impromptu meetup in Texas with a bunch of people, um, which I didn't try. see coming. So I'll be at the, uh, at the Lowe's hotel in Miami. So if you're anywhere near there and you want to hit me up, just shoot me a message, shoot me an email and I'll, I'll try and make it happen or DM DM is a good way to get a hold of me also. So that's what I'm thinking of. So again, these awards, there's, there's no, like no one in the categories already. So you can vote for anyone, right? Even if you think that person's only going to get one vote, then disrupt that situation and try and just vote for them anyway. That's what I say to do. And then that'll be that. And then with this, is going to happen again next year. So anyone that wasn't invited, like those opportunities will be available next year. It's only a hundred of us this year. So it's a really small conference, but I'm stoked about it because I get to meet all these people that I've only ever met online. I've met a handful of folks beforehand, but uh, I'm excited to meet and you'll definitely vlog. some folks. And yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a hundred vlogs that come out about yeah. it also. So where are we at here? Erica Hernandez. All right. So thanks for that, guys. I appreciate it. Um, Erica Hernandez said, I'm currently in a practicum and must teach a lesson for the first time in a couple of weeks. How do you get over being nervous in front of the class? And does that feeling ever really go away? It totally goes away. But I'm nervous every year. Um, at the beginning of the year, it's not as bad as it used to be, but like it's definitely there. I think the way I would get over it is have a true sense of like what you want to accomplish and what your outcome is. Right. And then I find that going to this, whenever I do like a speaking engagement somewhere, or if I do um, like a, like I run a PD for a school or speak at a college, I like to see the room first. So I'll often just Google it or I'll try and get time um, to sneak in. So like last year I was in Colorado, and we went and like into the college and found the room. So I just kind of stand there for a minute and like look out at the crowd and or out at the seats and get a sense of like what this is going to feel like. So that because I, I'm a big believer in like envisioning things on the front end, like really picturing what that's going to look like, what it's going to sound like, where my projection is going to come up. Do I have a microphone in my hand? Do I have a lapel mic? Am I just projecting my voice? Really getting a sense for that. And it makes some of that fear go away because you can, I, what I do is imagine it working as well as possible. And the flip side of that is I imagine it going the worst way it could. There's something called fear setting that a lot of uh, Stoics used to use where they imagine like, what's the worst possible outcome? And then living through that, right? Like really feeling that anxiety, that tension, like, because the, at the bottom, at the end of the day, like what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're not going to catch on fire, right? Unless you have some kind of weird biology lab that you're doing, but largely most of us are not going to catch on fire. You're not going to get fired. No one's going to get hurt, right? Like it might suck, but if that, is that the worst thing? Like then you just learn from the experience. I don't think that in school, a lot of times I really don't even believe in the idea of failure. I believe in the idea of producing results. And so if you produce a result, then you can pivot, you can change, you can grow from that. And then that's the mindset that I go with. So I think putting yourself in that position with the plan in that you have in place and then envisioning what that's going to look like. And if you can do that, even like walking around the room and doing bits of it in the room. So you're like 
it's not the first time you're in there. It's going to be the first time this happens. It's like, bro, I've been through this. I've been rehearsing for weeks and now I'm ready to rock. And, and then that's it. Uh, my buddy, Diary of a Man, black teacher is saying, how do you deal with a student who is lying to receive favor from admin and now trying to do the same with me? Example, kid openly lied on me and others and was rewarded with a special job by admin. I, you know, that's tricky. Yeah. And that happened to me this year, um, which I'm not. So that situation is still there. So I'm not going to put the I, I, w- I wish I could, like, tell you what happened. But just know that it was something that sounds very, very similar to that. I just have to cut myself loose of the stuff that's actually going on. Right. Like that that kid doesn't win at life. Right. So, like, let's say somebody cheats all the way through my class somehow and they get a passing grade. Right. You can't you don't. Like, even if you cheat through college, you can't just cheat through life all the time, right? Like, it's going to catch up with you at some point. So I have to just remember that, like, that sucks for you. Like, you're you're losing the lesson and, and maybe admin's helping you out with that. And that's really unfortunate. So I just feel like more than mad, I just, I constantly try to, I try to feel like, man, that's disappointing. I'm sorry that you're going to miss out on that life lesson. You're not going to grow from that situation. Um, so I think, uh, I, I, that's, so that's what I would do with that. Um, Tabitha is asking, how could I selfishly ask for prayers for our co-op church? It underwent devastating water damage from bursting pipes and we're going to be in our second week of canceled classes. I think you just can, you just did. So if, um, you know, that is something that is awful. And I realized like we had pipes burst in our school last year in my school, my class was like right underneath where it was. And miraculously it didn't mess up. Cause I have chalkboard paintings all over my wall and any amount of water would quickly like demolish all of that and have crap all over the place. So um, I, I think that that sort of idea of like uh, of, of that ruining your school can be really, it's detrimental, not just for you, but like for the students who like crave consistency every day to not be able to have that is really tricky. So I think, um, yeah, I'll pray for you and anyone else that's into that can do that. And people that aren't can just hope for the best for you. And that'd be awesome. Uh, what do you got, dude? Um, it's not um, middle minded media gave $5 and said, you, said you, Royster is doing it for the right reasons. What are the reasons you use for social media in the classroom? So first of all, thanks for $5. I'll go to someone's oh, no, haircut. Just, what are the wrong reasons to use social media in the classroom? Oh, so I think, you know, that's that's tricky. Like, I think the wrong you know, reason is, is I don't want to say. That's not a wrong reason, right? Like, I, I think th- when you. Unless, I, here's what I'm going to say. When people try and use the kids narrative to uplift themselves. Like, look how great I am because I'm in teaching in the hood and I'm, you know, that, that narrative, but I don't really see that because I'm or just not making, looking you're for teaching it. like just about you instead of like the community. Yeah. Or, like, but even that, it's like, know. you go do whatever you want. Like, I don't, I just don't look at your account. Like, it's, and I don't mean that in any kind of judgy way. So I don't, I don't know that I know what the wrong reason is. I, but, but here's what I th- mean by the right. I think someone like Richard Royster is he is putting himself on social media, which is like kind of embarrassing and weird the first time you do it, right? You're like recording yourself, then you have to listen to yourself and edit yourself, and you're like 
you know, even Over. this, like, it's like, I'm trying not to look at myself here, but watch the camera the whole time. It's just this little tiny speck at the top. And then I have to listen to myself talk all the time. And then, you know, there's a lot of that in my life and it's awkward. The second piece is that Richard does things like um, puts his students on and tries to uplift the students with like I, building a platform to uplift students, to create opportunities for students that um, when I see someone like uh, my friend, one fab teacher, who's not even on social anymore. Like, I just think that she is constantly trying to uplift students and other teachers. And so it's not a show like about me, right? Like, even though you're kind of this star or like you're the focal point, but what you're using is you're using your platform to uplift other people. I don't think there's one, there's right or wrong. Right. But like, I, when I think of what I admire about people, that is what I admire is like people that it's not just the me show, but you have someone like too cool for middle school. Who's using her platform to uplift the consciousness of the people that are kind of checking Instead her of out. dogging your students, especially if you're in. Yeah. So maybe that's are. it. Maybe that would be something that I wouldn't like. It's like someone that just shows up to just talk crap on their students and or talk um, about how, which I think there's space for that. Like sometimes kids suck. Sometimes you don't want to teach them, but I just don't think there's value in just putting that kind of negativity out there. So yeah. So that's kind of a convoluted answer, but that's the one I'm going with. Next question is from Richard Royster, uh, who's asking question, not just from the teacher's perspective, but from the entire school and systems they use. How do you work with students who have issues flying off into rage classroom uh, or school level? So I think oh, that's a tough one, man. Um, it's here's the here's why that's a tough answer, because there's no kind of one way to do it. Right. Like You don't like learn the way and then you just tackle it. It's not like learning how to, you know, screw something in or hammer in a nail. They're all different. So the other day I'm in, oh, I don't have my banana here with me. Um, I bought this banana at five and below. It's like, uh, it's maybe this long and it has, it's like squishy. Sand. So it's like, it's like sand, sand in it. It's like a, almost like stress ball kind of, but you can manipulate it. And I bought it for students that have a hard time just sitting still in class. I just want them to be able to manipulate something. And it just happens that it looks like a banana. Cause that's what five <laughs> and below sells. Uh, so I also bought silly putty cause it was John's were like a dollar a piece. Anyway, I have two kids that get into an argument and I'm not even paying attention to them because they're friends and they're in the back of the class and somebody's sitting in someone else's seat. I'm trying to get ready for my next class and I'm standing at the door shaking hands. I walk in and I hear someone say, Reynolds, they're about to fight. And I look back and this kid, this is a thing in the city, like uh, I don't know if other places in the world do this, but my man starts taking off his shirt and his tie to be able to start, you know, getting into this rumble. So I go back there and they're, they're too big. Like they're the kind of kids that if they fight, it's like, um, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about this because I'm, you know, skinnier than a dead model. So I get myself in between them and I have this banana in my hand and I just go, does anyone want to see my banana? And just saying that the one dude like cracked a smile. So I knew that like I, I, I got my foot in the door. Right. And then the other dude, I, I do not recommend people do this, by the way, but I take the banana and I was like. I said, you won't see my banana. And I started doing that. And then he started laughing. And I was like, his face, you did oh that? yeah, a hundred percent. Like he was just standing there and he's like, has this super mad scowl on his face and he's ready to fight this kid. And so I just started slapping him in the face with man gently. And so I do that and they stop. 
I'm able to separate them and I say, can you do me a favor? Like, I'm too old for this. Would you mind just stepping in the hallway for a moment? And the one kid does. He steps in the hallway for a moment. I text Cho. Cho's the, the dean of the ninth grade. She comes down. She grabs the dude. They have a talk. I talk to the other guy. We meet with them after class. It's all handled, right? So sometimes it's ridiculous. Other times it's, hey, man, I think that you need just a break real quick. Like, why don't you go get a drink of water, take a quick walk? Um, other times it's really building relationships with students. And when they know me, where when they know another teacher, then they can, then I can help with those moments because they trust me when they're in that moment of rage and they've lost all reasoning. They know that they can listen to me. Now, sometimes it's another teacher. I know sometimes it's my man Rufo or it's Sirdell or it's Alam. And so when I'm having problems with a kid, I might send them to that teacher. Or a lot of times someone like, you know, Mr. Dell, who teaches like 10th grade math in my school, will text me and say, yo, so-and-so's with me and I got it. I already know what's going on. You're like rapping about something that's important. So that's fine. I think the bottom line is there's no one way, but I think, I think the overarching theme there should be, it is about the community of teachers and not just one person, right? There can't be, teachers make things too teachery and they want to have like, if the student does this, I'm going to ask him to do this. Then they have to go to Mr. Royster's office and he's going to handle it this way. I think we have to, it's more fluid than that. We have to work together um, to come up with, with solutions. It's not something that can just fit into a handbook all the time. What were you gasping about over here? Oh, Richard Worcester said they used to have a kid that took off his pants to fight. <laughs> yeah. So I go. That can't be allowed. I go. So when my man was taking off his clothes, I go, bro, I said, wait a minute. My kid's got to eat. Like, what's something you think? You, they come in, you're taking off your clothes. I said, my, have you seen my kids? They're adorable. And they got to eat. Got to keep our clothes on. Right. <laughs> and it's a uniform. No one even likes their uniform. They're all ripped up and torn anyway. It's like. Can you see someone trying to take their pants off? Take oh off my their, gosh. Here's the move with that. If you go at someone that wants to fight you and you take your pants off, they already don't want to fight you probably. Because this is like, you just made this weird. That's just his tactic. My man just took his pants off. I'm out of here. It's like my theory when like, if someone wants to fight me, if I, I have this idea where if I'm going to get jumped one day, like um, I just start dancing. Because I don't think anyone wants to fight you if you're dancing. I just think it just goes to show that your ridiculous yeah, tactics just, really work in every. I think life. like the banana thing, right? Like, or I play love jams. I play Gloria Love from Karate Kid. It's chewed up or blow bubbles or something like that. Like that kind of stuff just shocks kids out of the moment sometimes. And if you want those, there's they're on a playlist as well, aren't they? They are. I think. I think love jams. Do I have love jams? I think you do. Those might just be my private love jams from when I'm driving to school. Oh. <laughs> Trying to, you know. Sorry, let's put you out on. Thanks. <laughs> My Lana Richie playlist, just Chris. Okay, right, answer no. another question. Uh, Kelly Jakovinich, because you know, I can say last names, mm -hmm. lots of vowels in them, um, says, Kelly is asking, hey, all, I'm trying to come up with different response activities for my kiddos. They're getting bored of worksheets and get too distracted during conversations. What are some things I could try? So I, look, I think, Kelly, it depends on what you're trying to get the kids to do or to learn or to know, right? So I think um, you could do like teachers, pay teachers, but I'm leery of that because this is why. Because I don't have a lot of money and I don't work in that district. So that stuff is insane to me. Um, I think making posters, I get like, uh, we get like the bootleg version of like those big 
it's essentially like the size of piece of poster board, but Post-it makes it. And we get like the booty version of those where you can just rip the paper off. I tape them to the wall and then you have to draw something where it's like, and there's very specific, like I'll do this ahead of time. So they have a guide, but like, let's say we're doing the Odyssey and let's say I want you to talk about the Scylla. So the top part is draw the Scylla, draw our hero Odysseus. Um, what was the action that was taken in it? What were like three things that moved the story forward? What was the internal dialogue? Like I, we map those things out on there and then they draw. Here's the beauty of writing against the wall, right? If I could, I would have a room that had whiteboards all the way around it because everybody's engaged. You as the teacher can stand in the middle of the room and see what's going on all around the room. No one is looking at one another, right? They're working in groups of two, never three, because the third kid never does anything. And you're staring at the wall and you're engaged in whatever it is that you're doing, right? So already we're not like sitting in our seats and looking at one another or sitting in a circle where we're looking at one another. We're sitting with our face to the wall. And I just think that that helps a lot. Other times I've had clay or Play-Doh in class where kids like make like um, a character out of Play-Doh and then they have to write a little thing about it. Sometimes I've printed out like uh, like Insta like what Instagram looks like. And it's like draw a picture of like what that like uh, if Odysseus was to like take a post and take a picture of this situation or Ralph when he's on the island and Lord of the Flies takes a picture of something like and then what underneath like is he kind of thinking about or what do you want people to know or how's this trip going or you know what's his top nine right so there's nine pictures on anyone's instagram posts when you first pull them up what does this top nine look like so that that's you know i think that there's a lot of simple ways to make that kind of thing happen um that's going to win points and then you can just recycle them so you don't have to get rid of worksheets or or any of the normal ways you're doing it or discussion but like say at the end of it, all right, we have two minutes for discussion. I want to hear this from this person, this person, and this person. And then just after that, you you don't let anyone else talk. And I think the beauty in that also is building anticipation, right? Like then people, you know, you're not exhausting what you're doing. You have like these little snippets of fun in there that allow you to kind of shake things up a little bit. Uh, Kristen. There's two. Okay. Okay. Ivan, Ivan, oh gosh, I should just stop seeing people's last names because I just butchered them you all the time. said it right before. She's not the person. Ivan, no. I don't know. I think that's right. It is. I just decided. Okay, go for it. Um, Kristen is asking, thanks for just agreeing with me right there. I have a student that is a teen mother. She is a hard home life and school is hard for her, so her grades are bad. She comes into our special ed classroom every day to be a TA. How do you balance a privilege like being able to come in and help? while also encouraging her grades up told us that it's only part of her the only part of her day that makes her happy Kristen I look I I love this story because I deal with it a lot one and two I just think that that young lady has an advantage like nobody else has like most kids look at folks that have like been through some sort of hardship as just like poor them or like it's like it's a they're starting in the hole and and not like they have an advantage and i think you flip that i think going through that stuff if you look at it the right way is going to that, that young lady has has something now that should propel her through high school there's a reason right we all know like simon Sinek talks about like having a why and i've talked about this any number of times but when you, you have, have a one? yeah i read both okay. of them when you have a why now you have a reason to go on. So it's like, 
I would sit down with her and say, let's talk about what you want in your life. What do you want for your kid? What kind of school do you want them to be able to go to? What kind of home do you want to be able to provide for them? What kind of, you know, life, vacations, amusement parks, toys, Christmases, like what do you want that to look like? And then reverse engineer that because your grades right now don't mean any, they're not, they're not leading to that at all. Your grades right now are leading to you living with your mother in her basement for the rest of your life and her having a finger on the pulse of your whole life and controlling you. Instead, you could play the game. You could get into like, even if it's a community college or like a local university where you could go to school and have, and take care of your kid at the same time. And is it going to be hard? Yep. But there's no, there's no out to that. Right. But what you're going to learn when you get through that is that you are harder than everyone else that you've dealt with adversity that most other people have not dealt with yet. And so what, then when you get a job and things are hard or when you're, tired, you know how to deal with tired. You know how to deal with hard. You know how to deal with heartbreak and loss and longing and all that stuff that young folks that are, and this isn't a diss to them necessarily, but like that are coming up, like they've never dealt with that hardship. So now it's like, what, like, what do you have on top of me? Nothing. You have nothing on me. I can crush it. And that's because you went through this hard thing. So you need to flip the script and use school as the advantage to go on offense and not be on defense. Like school's kicking your ass every day or it's hard or you're tired or you're worn out. Like, yeah, you are, but push through that because everything you want is just on the other side of hard work, but you have to get kids to actually be able to picture that in their mind of what that looks like. And then walk them through, like, this is what we need to do. And this is why. And you have a why that's stronger than most other people's because you have a kid now. And so that's what I would do with that. Um, uh, Helena Lee is saying hi from four corners. Oh, nice. Um, teaching on a Navajo reservation. Oh, that's, I talked to, just talked to somebody else that was teaching on a, on a res. Um, need, need advice on how to juggle teaching two classes at the middle school ELA and science overwhelmed here. ELA teacher walked out mid-year. So look, I think Helena, that's a tough situation because, you know, it, Sometimes there is no juggling all that stuff, right? Sometimes it's just like too much. But if you want to grind it out, if you want to be able to juggle and handle it, I think don't overcomplicate what you're doing. I One of the ways I found to win is that I make every single week is a carbon copy in a lot of ways of the next week. So every Monday is vocab words. Every time we write down vocab words, I have a PowerPoint. I have kids make note cards for them. The second day is like, checking those no cards and it's doing some sort of like, what are we learning this week? Are we talking about themes, symbolism, imagery, whatever it is. And then we're reading together. Wednesdays are independent reading day. So for 20 minutes, every Wednesday we independently read. And then we have the rest of the class to get done, whatever we have to get done that carries over from the day before. Um, Thursdays are some variation of Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Fridays are assessments every every week. Right. So it's typically a quick quiz on the book and a quick quiz on um, the vocab. And then, it's uh, weird Friday every Friday, and then look. It, so it's that basic, but then you learn how to. Then you get the chance to sprinkle some magic on that stuff, and the magic you sprinkle in one class, even if it's a completely different subject matter, can be the same thing you do in the other class. Like, like I've talked about a million times, where I play music behind kids reading or behind kids, uh, like reading their journals out loud. Right? You could do that in any class. You could you know, there's a lot of similarities, I think, in classes where like um, putting a timer on so that you're getting things done, like 
those things carry over. So I would just come up with a very simple, like systematic way to get through your week. And then that way, each week, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel or recreate the wheel. I think also steal ideas from people, right? Teachers should be doing this all the time. Do not try and recreate the wheel and come up with this brand new revolutionary way of teaching, right? Folks are out there that have great ideas that have been doing this for a long time. And they're there. It's like, you could come up with a new way to do a push up, but guess what, man? Push-ups get the job done. Pull-ups get the job done. Sit-ups get the job done. And you don't have to recreate some kind of new crazy way. But and because I really think that it's the little bit of magic that you sprinkle on the regular stuff, just like my Brussels sprout story earlier, putting a little bit of sugar on Brussels sprouts changed the game for me. You don't have to reinvent Brussels sprouts to be to taste like, I don't know, lemonade or something like that, which is kind of an interesting idea. So I would just come up with a systematic way for all of your classes to work and then carbon copy that from week to week and then sprinkle magic on top. Um, Middle-minded media is saying, how much money do you think is too much to spend on your class? I'm using a few bucks to edit my videos and extra resources. Uh, so I spend on your class. I, that's a personal question. I mean, I, I love decorating my classroom. I get no money to be able to do it. It's all like money that I spend on it. But I think, you know, I'm in that classroom all day. So like, what's my peace of mind worth? What is my, my own happiness worth? If I had to teach in a classroom. Um, so we were in the high school yesterday. My daughter was in the basketball championship and we got to go into the high school and I was walking through and I was just peeking in people's windows to their rooms. And so many of no, them. Were no, not so many. No. The ones that we passed. Every not day. one of them had any stitch. It's sad. It I would so lose my mind it if I like was a, a child in there. Man. I remember this is why I hated school. It sucks. Nobody does anything with their room. Yeah. It's awful. So, Even for my own elementary kids. And, and the, the thing is, it's too. not, doesn't cost a lot. Um, and nothing in my room has any real educational value to it. Right. I like, I would rather, I would literally ra- rather look at, though. um, I'd rather go on Pinterest and look up anthropology displays right from the store anthropology and steal ideas from them than I would go on like to what's that learning store that everyone loves Lakeshore, Lakeshore learning that because they don't have anything for secondary teachers. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, being mindful of that and then being mindful of the fact that you can scale it. So over 10, 20, 30 years, you can scale your room and it doesn't have to be something that's like hot. For in he said, no time. I'm about to buy a real pencil sharpener because the one on the wall sucks. Yeah, I I had to do that also. Yeah. I thought about just hanging a knife from a string and doing it old school, but you know that turned out to not be a good idea. Mm-hmm. What you're looking at? Is it singing time? Or is this a, is this the question? No. Oh, all right. You were just reading people's stuff. No, I'm texting about our child, our actual child, oh, to the, another parent. Oh, to another parent? Yes. The ones we made? Yes. Um, Tracy Pinter, my buddy, is saying, this year is the most challenging year I've had in my career. Any suggestions on dealing with an environment that is unsafe? Teachers are being sent to the emergency room due to behavior. Look, man, oh. I, I, Trace, I think I've, I've talked about this before. I just don't think all schools are worth being at and I and look I don't know like what necessarily everyone's situation is if they even can get another job I just don't think all schools deserve to be open I think some schools like if that's happening I think there's a way you win with those kids and with those teachers and with that situation but if the right people are in charge if the right people aren't a part of the solution 
You're never going to get there. And then you have people getting hurt. Schools are never a place that someone should get hurt in. Um, and look, I, I teach in a rough neighborhood, right? Like I don't even go into how bad it is, but there are routinely, there are shootings around our school. There are students that have gotten shot there. We've lost students. We've had kids that were like, were went on Thanksgiving break alive and didn't come back. Like that stuff happens routinely. But I think our school is largely winning because of the staff, because we have the right assistant principal or the right dean or the right security guards that work together to try and come up with answers. And it's not like just um, it's not like a systematic thing that that sort of happens. And that's that teachers getting teachery and letting that get in the way. They're looking for like the guy, the handbook way to handle something instead of like having it kind of be more organic than that. And I hate that word organic, but I'm going to use it anyway. Um, so I just wonder if it's like a place that's worth being in. Um, and you like Tracy knows, like I, I've talked about this any number of times as well, where I think the students are the reason that we're doing what we're doing. But when the schools aren't set up, like if you're, if you're teaching kids on a sinking ship, like it's better to try and figure out, to, like, I just think you have to put on your own oxygen mask first, because otherwise, like you don't win an award for sticking around. Like there's no, you know, so I just think, um, how else can you help that, those kids? I, I don't know. That's kind of a messy answer, but yeah. it's a hard thing to, to be able to answer. Well, uh, it's a hard thing to also say that like the school is just not a good place and there's not a lot of good administrators in charge to and and to give it's like you feel like you're giving up on kids and the yeah. school and that's not easy but you also have to it's, it's like doesn't somebody else have a better alternative like isn't there another charter school that can open my first school sucked like I, i'm not sure they should even have been open all the time it was a terrible place there was great people there too they had really wonderful teachers and the administrators were like They're some of them were wonderful. They're a hot mess. And so, but I think, you know, but but all that being said, like there were there were the right people there, the right people. But it wasn't in charge, such a mess though, where people were getting hurt, though. That's not true. Were people getting hurt? A hundred percent. There were certain oh. teachers, yeah. Um, not on a level where like I think no one got sent to the emergency room, but like it wasn't like people didn't feel safe all the time and stuff. So it's yeah, just, it's it hard. sucks, man. It's a messy. Yeah. Um, sorry, that's not the best answer, but that's what I got for you right now. Um, Summer Tate is asking, I only see my advisory class sixth graders once a week. Me too. And a lot of kids do not like each other, refuse to do work and other, uh, work, do work with each other and are difficult to manage. What can I do to build culture in the classroom? Uh I, you know, this isn't an easy answer because I think it just takes time. I think that you pair kids up one-on-one -on -one or like how I'm always saying, like have kids eat lunch with you, have two kids eat lunch with you and like maybe start with one and then bring the other one in or meet with another teacher with two or three kids. We have this really interesting thing this year that it seems like it's working a lot. We have peer mediation where like two students that have been trained that are upperclassmen deal with like if there's a fight between two kids or an argument or someone posts something online about something that was really like damaging uh they bring those individuals together and then the students lead the conversation to help the other students figure it out and that works really well but i've done that with other teachers too where like myself and cho or somebody else 
we'll come together, we sit down with students and we try and help them hash that, like work that out. Um, because you just need someone to kind of shine a light on the situation sometimes. And then they realize that there's much more in common or that someone didn't mean it that way. Or someone realizes like how damaging they were being. And then they can change from that. That's not going to work with everyone, but I think it can work, work largely uh, with students. So I think it's breaking it down and having those conversations with students um, on low, like not in front of the whole class, but like during a prep before school, after school, something like that um, and helping them to work that out. And then once you win the majority over, then it's, you know, it's a new story after that. Uh, Kirsten Schnell is saying, how do you work with students who <clears throat> outright disrespects and continuously tries to get you into a power struggle? I just don't deal with it. I send them out uh, or I'll have someone come and grab them. And then someone who's trusted, I will ask them to talk to them. So like, let's say I have a student that doesn't like me right for one reason or another they can't stand me every day they're trying to get out of my class or trying to get me in trouble they try and tell whatever they're doing right i will find someone they connect with and say can you talk to this dude um because there's something going on there and i can't seem to infiltrate their their space and so once that teacher talks to them then i join that conversation or maybe there's three of us involved right there's three teachers and one student involved and then you get to actually have the conversation and the student is more apt to listen to the person that they trust. And so you just win from that situation. So that's what I would do. I wouldn't try to fix it on my own. Let somebody else try and fix it. And then you become a part of that conversation. And I think uh, most of the time I've seen that really work. Um, and then remember, you know, you're dealing with young people. You don't know like what they're thinking all the time or like why they act the way that they act. Like some of you just have to brush off, but then if kids are trying to get you in trouble or something devious is happening there, then it's like, bro, we got to bring somebody else in because I, I just want what's best for you. And I think you got to twist it. I think you're trying to look at it. Like I'm trying to come at you for some reason. It's like, I got, I got other more important things to do than like try and get the best of teenagers. Uh, Jessica Guthrie is saying, I teach ESOL population of students who I love. I was out due to mental health issues. And when I returned, I found out that almost fit or that found out almost 15 of my students had their parents deported. We are also, we also had a student attempt suicide. Um, I approached admin and even my team teachers about helping the students and basically was told that we don't have time and everyone is going through things. That was a quote. How do I help them without support? Uh, okay, so, oh my gosh, that's huge. 15 kids had their parents deported. Someone tried to commit suicide. Um, look. And if the school isn't going to help, I think you just have to do it on your own. I think, Jessica, I, I, I'm trying to think of like what, like I know what I would do in this situation. Because look, it's like, it's like, what do you do, right? So let, let me, let me lay it on you like this. There is uh, this old story of, God, I think some of you might know this. It's like, this is like total chicken soup for the soul moment right here. But there's a story of this two folks that are walking down the beach and the beach on the beach, there had been a storm. And now there are thousands of starfish all over the beach, right? And so the one person's walking down the beach and they're picking up the starfish and they're chucking them back into the ocean. And the friend says, why would you, 
what are you doing? Like, why are you bothering, like, even putting this effort into it? There's no way you can save all these starfish. There's thousands of them out there. And he says, the one who's throwing the starfish says, yes, I know. But to this one, and he picks up a starfish, he says, it matters and chucks it back into the ocean. So I think it's not about getting all the job completed. It's about doing what you can with the resources and the time and the energy that you have. If you get caught up on the macro picture of dealing with all the kids that are having a hard time, all the kids whose parents are being deported, all the kids who are having self-destructive thoughts, it's too overwhelming. But what you can do is get single focused help somebody with all the mindfulness and all the care that you can, and then move on to the next one and to the next one and to the next one, or build some kind of like gorilla group up that is not working as part of the school. And look, I, I don't mean this to say like, go like not listen to your admin or something like that. But if that way is blocked, if it can't happen for one way or another, then maybe you just have a group of teachers that create a safe space or after school program or a lunch period or something along those lines that invites kids in as a place to feel safe, to blow off some steam, to talk about things, to talk about how they're thinking and feeling. And I think that can be revolutionary, but it's not even, it doesn't even have to be official or maybe it is, maybe you, you name it something and it's a club after school and it's a safe space for kids to enter into. But I think that's how you have to do it. You have to go between the lines sometimes. It's, it can't, not everything fits in to everything that we're doing, not school, all the schools have capacity. And, you know, not all the teachers are going to be able to like to back you on that stuff. Right. Like admin, look, admin has their hands tied a lot. Like there's only so much they can do. There's only so much money, time, resources. So how can you be how can you make something from nothing to really help those kids? That's the kind of stuff I would think about. Uh, Rob Smith is saying, what are your thoughts on dumbing down for school self-interest and passing exams and cooking? and cooking books for league tables at the expense of the students' learning and development. Rob, uh... Unfortunately, it just happens. What's that? I said, unfortunately, it just happens. Like it it does. Special education, I feel like they dumb down those Oh, absolutely. Yeah, our kids' schools, they dumb down stuff all the time. Um, and, and I think, look, you, look, I just... Some of the stuff there's not, like, an official good answer for. If I was in that situation, i just do whatever I want. Like... Sorry, that sounds a little bit over the top. Um, I would finesse curriculum so that students that I felt like could handle harder curriculum would have something that was a little bit more difficult. They were to be like a different, maybe you're reading the same text, but the type of answers I'm asking you for are different, right? It's called differentiating instruction in case your school gives you a hard time about it. Um, for someone else that's struggling, like when we read the Odyssey every year, I have kids that read it like there's, I have three different versions of the Odyssey. It's the same story, but the vocabulary is different. The lexile level is different. Some kids are reading a graphic novel. Some kids are reading the novel. You're you're changing it up to, in order to fit the the needs of those particular students. Your lesson plan might say one thing. Their unit plan might say something else. Your curriculum map might say something else. But you know how to finesse in the class to ask those probing questions, to get them critically thinking, to get them thinking outside the box. So I, I just, I, it's all, I would almost love to do an experiment where I was given, you know, because I get a lot of things from teachers that say like they have scripted lesson plans. I'd love to get a scripted lesson plan because then I'd like to flip it on its head and figure out like there's ways like that you can finesse those things, I think, and you can still make something awesome out of the, your very limited resources or your limited time or your, you know, strict school structure that is there. It, but it's about, you know, I, I just think, Look, I mean, 
somebody could think of your favorite song, right? So like Aerosmith took Walk This Way and made one song out of it, but there could be some shitty cover band of 14-year-olds that makes the same song and just sounds like trash. It's the same song, right? Just somebody found out a way to kill it and somebody found out a way that was trash. Like somebody could play, you know, any number of Eddie Van Halen solos and it sounds awful, like cats mating in an alleyway in the summer or someone's crushing it. It makes your face want to melt off. Like, I think that's the same thing. So how can you finesse that and be Eddie Van Halen instead of cats mating in an alleyway? Because that was a metaphor I really made today. Um, <laughs> Marcus Mom is saying, why do you take away points for farting? Well, Marcus, why do I feel like that's a student of mine? Um, I take away points for farting because I give kids the option to step in the hallway if you have to fart, especially when you know those John stink and it's going to ruin the class because you're disrupting the class. And if you've ever seen someone fart or smelled someone fart in class, you know, it's like pretty much the most disruptive thing aside from vomiting in the classroom. So yeah, if you have to do a, a butt burp, go out into the hallway, take care of that business. Don't do it in front of the class. Bam. Uh, you like that? Amy Russell. What's up? Amy Russell gave us her picture last year when we did the teacher appreciation video. Um, Amy Russell is saying, is anyone doing anything on hashtag my freedom day on March 14th, 2019 to bring awareness to modern slavery? Do you have any advice on, to incorporate current world events or hot button issues in your lesson? I have never heard of this in my life, but it sounds very interesting. Um, I'm wondering what other people are thinking about in terms of modern slavery. Like what does that look like to you or what are you talking about when you talk about that? So I, I know what kind of what I think that looks like. Um, so that would be really interesting. Amy, this, can I ask you to do this? If, if you're down, um, if you go to the Facebook group, which is this real wrap with Reynolds teacher talk, if you put that question in there, I would love to see what people's responses are in, in response to that. Like, what are they teaching? What are they doing? That can be a really great place to have those resources. Uh, people can feel more than ha like you can go ahead and put it in here as well, but that would be dope. Are you going to keep pin it? I, I don't think you can pin in the live, but we'll oh. pin it at the, at once this posts. Okay. So then that, that would be dope. If you want to do that. Uh, Rob Smith, what is your favorite British writer? Or, uh, Shakespeare Dickens, uh, Conan Doyle, Austin, and then there's a whole list on here. Um, famous favorite British author. Who's yours, babe? No, don't ask me. Mark Twain. Oh yeah. Henry David Thoreau. All of them. Well, yep. Love They're them. your favorites. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm gonna. If I had to say, right, like, I just think Shakespeare. There's a reason that Shakespeare's taught 500 years later. Right? There's a reason that whether you like him or you hate him or you think there's some hidden agenda and that's why they keep pushing him along, like. The, the stories are timeless. There's only a handful of stories that can be told in the world, right? And then we just kind of recycle them. Look at every movie that's come out in the last, you know, 10 years. It's like a recycled version of something else largely. Um, but I just think that as humans, we're just not that complicated. It's like your life fits into a number of different kinds of situations. And then like, let's have the conversation about that so we can go deeper with what we're always already looking at. I love when Mr. Rogers used to say, that simple and deep is far better than uh, wide and complex. And so someone whose voice is still being sort of like read 500 years later is kind of remarkable to me. Um, I do also like that uh, Sir uh, Conan Doyle is came up with 
um, not Shakespeare. Who am I thinking of? Oh, Sherlock Holmes. And people really thought Sherlock Holmes was a real dude. And I think that's awesome. You might need another question. You do. You're not ready. You know what that means? Mm -hmm. Singing time. I believe <laughs> the children are our future. Teach yeah. them well and let them lead them. Come on, man. This song's about the children. Yeah, show them all the beauty they possess inside. Uh -uh. Give them a sentence. Oh, um, Mary White. That's a really good way to. I'm going to start singing more often when I need like a sandwich. Okay, that didn't get a response. Uh, so I love your videos. Thank you, Mary. I appreciate it. I teach high school English in Canada. We're in month five of snow and everyone's getting tired and bored. How do I keep the energy and vision to keep pushing through to the spring? Um, I like I like breaking down how much time is left. So look, like any number of things, right? So let's say it's great. Our students need 210 points to pass any particular class. So if you had an 80 their first trimester and you had a second, a 60 the second trimester, add those together, subtract it from 210, gives you the grade that you need at the end of the year. And then I break down like, um, here's all we have left. Like on a calendar, this is essentially all the time we have left. Like we're almost midway through March. We only have April and May at my school. And then we have only finals in June. So there's only two and a half months left. Now, here's all the great stuff that I've planned. And then you build interest. Invite people in maybe. Have someone come in and speak to your class. Have your class go on a class trip or a small class trip to build interest and to build buy-in into your class. I was just writing today about a time that I took a trip with my students in the beginning of the year and it was unexpected. It was awesome. But when we came back to school, I found that all those kids were far more invested in my class than they ever had been before because we kind of did this special thing together. Have a cereal day. Have a day where you bring in a like a cooktop and make pancakes for everybody. Like you can break those things up so that there's fun in sort of like injected in the school. And here's the thing about that. I, I think that folks get nervous to do that because there's so much to do and there's so little time. They think I don't have time to make pancakes. I don't have time for cereal day. I don't have time for silliness in the class. There's work to get done. There's test scores to raise and we got to get on it. But just like anybody that, takes time out of their day to meditate, to go running, to go do cryotherapy or to get a massage, right? That's time you're taking out of your precious day. It's precious hours and moments of stuff you could be getting done. But anyone that does that knows you operate on a different level when you come out of doing that. That when you wake up early and I meditate and I run, I am I get ready in literally a third of the time that it would take me if I just got up out of bed and started getting ready. I just could not operate that quickly unless my house was on fire. So when you when you put that kind of stuff, when you implement that in your classroom, that kind of fun, that kind of like conversation, then it I think it makes all the other stuff easier to do because you've just made it more fun in your class and kids don't know what to expect. And now they're like, they're willing to go through the tough stuff because they know you're, that you're going to have something fun on the other side of it, probably. You may find a question. Someone said, do you like Pocketful Primary? Do I like Pocketful Primary? I do. Um, so Matthew wonders, uh, and I would like to explain why I like Pocketful Primary. Because, so look, I think it's easy to kind of discount who people are and what they're about. Um, and I'm not saying that you do this, but I, I know I've done it to people where you like see someone's Instagram feed or their YouTube channel and you're like, gosh, this is so gross. It's like, 
you're so over the top or you're too bubbly or your classroom's too cute or your outfits are always cute every day. And I feel like crap about, cause I'm wearing like, you know, the old Navy like clearance collection or something like that. Or, you know, maybe you're wearing that flannel again that your brother gave to you four years ago when you went out there and it was already his for five years, whatever. Um, <laughs> not saying that's what I'm wearing right now, but that's what I'm wearing right now. So I think it's easy to sort of discount folks. And I know that Michelle got a lot of hate when she put out a video about like teaching title one and like what she thought that was like, but through actually knowing her, like I've gone out to lunch with her. I've talked with her on the phone a number of times. I've had her on the channel before we text back and forth every so often. Like I just know that she really cares about students. She really cares about the job. And like, I just, that to me is bigger than anything else. It's hard to, can. it's hard to get people to get what you're saying when you're trying to convey it online. People misconstrue what I say all the time. They get mad about something I say or something I do or the way that I say it. The bathroom. Yeah, the, oh, my bathroom gets, video about letting kids go to the bathroom. I get all kinds of hate on there. It gets misconstrued. It does. Constantly. It gets misconstrued because people think I'm trying to like hold power over the students when I'm really like just trying to call them on their nonsense. Um, and, and, and do what's best, what, what I think is for kids. So yeah, all that to say, like, there's not, there's, I don't think there's anyone in YouTube world that I just dislike. Uh, cause I think when you really, if you found out anyone's story, it just changes everything all the time. It's like any student that you ever didn't like in class, like you might not like them before, but then when you find out their story, you're just like, yo, you're a really powerful human being. I really appreciate you. Um, uh, so I, I think that she's great. Uh, paper craft in girl I'm reading uh, stuck in neutral with my kids right now. Do you think it's okay? It's okay to read a book that is not on her level. Any ideas or activities that could go along with, uh, with the book. So I don't know that book. Um, and so that's part of real rap with Reynolds is I'm not going to tell you that I know a book if I don't know it, but, uh, I'm stuck in neutral with my kid right now. Uh, I think all books are okay if they're not on someone's level. And this is why I think, you know, even with my own children, I think about conversations that we have or movies that we watch together with them that there might not be a hundred percent ready for, but if you can have the conversation, if you can talk, like we were watching the matrix with our son last night and he was like, wait, so what's happening in this movie? And Cause I just know he's going to love it. And there's a couple of gross parts in the beginning. He was getting thrown off by that because I kept telling him to close his eyes. Cause I didn't want him to have nightmares. Like when Neo pulls that tube out of his mouth or they have to extract the thing from his belly button. But once you get into like the training part and I never realized there's like, there's no blood in that movie. Right. Did you notice that last night? There's all these yeah. people getting shot and beat up, but you never see anyone bleed. You never see anything gross. Right. It's like, it's kind of like playing Fortnite, right? There's guns, but like, you know, it allows us the opportunity to have the conversation about a lot of stuff. So, I think you can absolutely do that. And then what activities? I think, you know, any activity is cool, but I, I like conversations about stuff. I think that's how like real world learning. I know that's how I learn now. It's like read a book, learn something in a podcast, whatever it is, have a conversation with some friends or with my wife and mull it over. That's what kind of really gets me lit up. Um, but I think you could take any activity. I'm not, I don't know that there's like one I would, say is better than another. I think it depends on like, what does your kid like? Maybe they build a Minecraft model out of something from the book. Maybe they um, create a comic book out of it. Maybe they, you know, whatever it is. There's a hundred things you can do. What are you doing? 
There's two more questions if you want to answer them. Sure, let's do it. Two more questions. Uh, you didn't give me one though. They're at the bottom. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, uh, Agnes Wears, Wears, Agnes is asking, how do you handle inappropriate language in the classroom? I, so look, there's a hundred ways you could do this, right? I do not, like as usual, recommend that the way I say things or do things is the best way to do them because it might get you in trouble. But if Sid, some kid comes into my class and he calls somebody else an asshole, I go, I'm sorry, real quick, just so you know, um, can't call people assholes in class because uh, it's like a weird thing. And I could make a poster out of it, right? We could put a poster on the wall that says like assholes and then has like a circle around it and it's crossed off. But that's just a kind of a weird thing to put on my wall. Like, I'd rather not. So if you could just remember that we can't say assholes, we win. A couple of things there. One, you're making it not that big of a deal where the kid like just won and they got you all riled up. Two, you're seeing the word back. And that's the part that I'm not sure everyone should be doing. But in my experience, it's like kids can't believe that you're saying it back to them and that you keep saying it over and over again. And that you're but you're saying it like in a way where you're trying to explain something that doesn't seem like it needs to be explained. And then you just make it kind of funny by talking about the poster. And that's how I win a lot of times with that stuff. Um, and I tell kids like, occasionally I might curse in class, but just like your mom, you're, she's allowed to do certain stuff and you're not allowed. Just like my mom used to smoke cigarettes, tell me not to smoke. Not exactly the same thing, but close enough. So that's how I deal with it. And then I talk to kids about why they shouldn't be able to curse in class, right? They, you need to be able to code switch, man. Like you, you the same stuff you talk about sitting on the stoop or hanging on the corner or at a party with your friends, you don't do it when you're with your grandma. And if you do, then you're a confused individual and you should learn how to code switch. So it's, it's about that. Or, I mean, you can have the conversation too, that like a lot of times cursing is lazy. It's like you can say things like, like, I don't know. I don't know who's watching this. Should we do it? Then we'll do it. Um, I heard David Lee Roth say the other day Uh-oh. that, if you can say shit in a, in English, right, that explains so much stuff. Like, yo, this pie was the shit. Or like, yo, we're going to go out and do some shit. What have you been up to? I, you know, just getting some shit done around the house. Like, like it's so versatile. But on a level, it's kind of lazy, right? Like, like, what were you doing, right? I love when Malcolm X says, like, people that curse, curse because they don't have the wherewithal or the vocabulary to use other words. And so... I think any number of those conversations could be the one that does it. Um, e- Elaine, I think that's it. Uh, and I'm not going to attempt your last name because, you know, I'm not good at names. Uh, I'm an EFL teacher working in Uruguay. Awesome. This year, my student, my school is implementing a new project where the group, where they group kids for English based on their on their seventh and 10th grade reading levels. I think that says, uh, in the same class, any advice for this? Um, so hold on. What did you have in So it's not having 10th grade, all the 10th graders together, all the seventh graders together, all the eighth graders together. What I think you're saying is like, they take everyone that's on this reading level, no matter what grade you're in, putting them into one class. Look, you know, that's tricky because you, you can ostracize kids. You can make kids feel stupid or like they're a 10th grader in with a seventh grade reading class. I think it's just about owning your stuff. And I, that's the conversation I would have with those students on the side is like, look, you're here. Like, get out of it. Like, do better. Like, like let's like, let me help you. 
to be the best you can be so you can get to that next level. That's what I need you to do. And so, you know, if the other thing I think I would do is like, make sure you're working with other teachers to find out what's working for them, what's not working for them, what differences and what challenges are coming up against and then how are they handling that? And then working as part of that community of educators I'm always talking about instead of just trying to be like just in your classroom, which I know is hard. I have to drink water because I'm dying. So that's what I would do. I would work as part of that group. Um, Cause look, at the end of the day, <clears throat> the punchline here is sometimes schools implement things that we don't want to do that we don't think is a good idea. Someone from on high, you know, makes a decree and the rest of us are, are like have to follow suit. But I just think that more often than not, you can get seemingly lame ingredients and make something awesome out of it, right? You can get not all the right tools, but you can still build something pretty dope with the tools that you got. So it's about that's that's the game that we're in. Is it right? No. Is it ideal? Of course not. But how are you going to make it the best that you can for the kids anyway? I think you do that as a community of individuals that, you know, on the low are kind of doing some guerrilla warfare stuff where they're trying to figure out how to make the best out of this thing no matter what. And not just getting together to complain about it, but like what let's be solutions based. Let's come up with the best possible answer for this particular problem. Is that it? Cool. That's it for now because we've been on for an hour and a half and we got to eat something. Um, look, if you didn't already, if before you sign off, there is a thing on here and I'm going to pin it. I'm going to pin that at the end and then I'll, yeah. So impact driven teaching conference I'm going to in Miami is asking folks to vote for different teachers for different categories. I don't care if you vote for me. I just think there's a lot of people out there that are doing good stuff on YouTube, on, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, in blogs, you know, on even on LinkedIn that are creating content that is uplifting the consciousness of the rest of the people that are kind of consuming that stuff. And so if you could go on and vote for someone, it would really mean the world to me. I really, really appreciate it. And that's it. Uh, I'll be in Miami next week. I'm going to still try and do this situation. So <clears throat> might be in the airport, might be on a beach. I don't really know. Might have a whole group of other teachers doing it with me too. That could be awesome as well. It but um it will be without the not so secret wife. You want to say, no. just wave to everyone. There you go. Uh, and that's it, gang. I think you are the best, and I appreciate you. Peace.